Pastor Mike is on vacation, and um, I said, Mike, where are you going? They, they got to go uh, to Lake Champlain. And, I, and, and so the week before that, um, Cohen, his little boy, called me and asked me to take him fishing. So I said, Mike, you got to get Cohen a fishing pole, man. So we went to Dick's last week, and we got him one of these cool little superhero fishing poles that light up when you cast it. And so I bought one, too, because it's just cool. They're, they're cool. So uh, Michael's, well, teach me how to put the hook on. So I, I taught him how to put the hook on, and I go, this is the right way to put the worm on. So I get a text yesterday morning at like 8.30 in the morning, and Cohen's first cast, he's got this big fish on there. And uh, so Mike likes, what, what are the name of the fishes? So I'm like, well, that looks like a perch. That looks like a sunfish. So he posts on Facebook and Instagram, Cohen just caught a perch. I'm like, yeah, I'm the one that told you what kind of fish that was. No props to the pastor, no help. So they're having a good time, and Mike's learned how to fish. So we're going to get him into fishing one way or the, or, or the other. Um, as you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been um, discussing the vision of our church, and we're going to finish next week, and then we're going to go in the series on the story going through the Old Testament. And uh, basically, what I want you to see as your pastor, and as we move forward with the vision of, of our church, obviously, one of the core values of the church, one of the core values of my heart for the church as your pastor, is that we would be healthy, healthy as a church, healthy as individuals. And, and I believe the way we do that is by simplifying things to make it simple for us. How many know that just because we're doing a lot of things for God doesn't necessarily mean that we're healthy? And what, what ends up happening, the more we add to our schedule, the more we add on our plate, the more stressed out we can become. And so church then doesn't become a place where we can serve out of the grace of God or we come together because we want to worship God and what he's done in our heart, it, it kind of can become a chore and it can be drudgery. And that's not what we want for you. We want you to, to come and to serve and to love one another and to feel like this is a place where um, you can express your love for God and love for one another and serve him out of God's grace, not out of a sense of, of duty. And when we start doing things out of a sense of duty, we get in trouble because eventually we start doing it for ourselves and not necessarily for God. And so we want to guard ourselves against that. And so the, the vision for our church is very simple. It's transforming lives for eternity by helping people to love God, love one another, and serve. So if you were at a restaurant or you were at work with somebody and someone came to you and just say, hey, tell me what your church is all about. And you could simply just say, our church is about transforming lives for eternity by loving God, loving others, and serving. If, 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 if that's all you got out of this five-week series of messages, I'm happy. If that's the only thing you got is that you know the vision of our church, and if somebody asked you, what is Living Word all about? And you can say that one sentence, I'm a happy pastor. Because that's what I want you to see about our church. Because many times people ask people what your church is all about, and you, you, could, you could interview 100 people in that church, and you could get 100 different answers. That's not what I want. I want us to be on the same page, going in the same direction so that there's unity within our body so that we're going in the same direction so that Christ is glorified. And how many know that when a group is unified, we can do a lot of destruction? We can do a lot of good for the kingdom of God. Destruction in a good way, I mean. But we can do a lot of good for the kingdom of God when we're moving in the same direction. So the, the purpose... The purpose of our existence is we want to see people grow in spiritual maturity. We, we want to see you never stop growing. So my greatest desire is that we would be a healthy church, that we would be a growing church in the uh, knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that we would focus on the things 
that are most important to Jesus. And how many know that it's easy to lose focus and get distracted even when we're doing good things? And we can lose our focus and stop focusing on what's truly important. Now, many of you are old like me. How many remember the day when you could eat anything you wanted and not worry about it? How many remember that? How, how many of you now, listen, now, listen, when I used to go to a, a restaurant, you could open up the menu, right? And they didn't have all the calories next to the burgers and stuff. What happened? Now you go and you feel guilty. You're like, oh, if I eat this burger, there's like 1,500 calories. I don't want to know how many calories are in that delicious burger that I'm ready to eat. Now you feel guilty. Now they add the calories and all the health things and you open up the menu. You got to put your glasses on to read all the fine print on all the calories. I mean, it's just, they ruined it. They ruined it, right? So now as we get older, we, we count the calories. I remember when I was a swimmer, uh, growing from seven years old, I started swimming and my parents did that to me because I drove them nuts in the house. So they said, we got to do something barred because he's hyperactive. Let's put him in swimming and just put him in a pool eight hours a day to tire the kid out because he's just driving us crazy. So my parents put me in swimming and it worked. And so I swam and I can remember as a swimmer, especially in high school, I could eat anything I wanted and never gain an ounce right? In fact, Michael Phelps, when he was training for the Olympics, could eat 12,000 calories a day. That's fun. That would be fun. Just like, okay, I'm going to eat 12,000 and not gain us because of the, uh, the intensity of the training. Um, and, but, but all of a sudden, how many know age starts to creep up? And as age creeps up, the metabolism rate goes down, right? And, 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 and right now, officially, Barton Drace, myself, is a father of three teenagers. Lily just turned 13 last Monday. So now I've got a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 13-year-old, three teenagers in our house. Pray for me. And, and how many know, you, you look at them and they eat. I mean, my boys, I got, you know, my boys. I mean, it's like they're refrigerated. It's like the same thing was in there five minutes ago. And they're open, and they eat us out of... I, I actually have to hide food for myself. If there's something that I like, I have to hide it because it won't be there. Like ice cream, gone. Five minutes... I go, I just... But where's the ice cream? Oh, well, we just got home from football practice, and we ate a half gallon of ice cream. So it's hard for me to hide the ice cream because it melts quick. But any, it, how many of you know with kids, they can just eat anything they want and, and gain nothing. But all of a sudden, age creeps up. And little bit by little bit, how many of you know the pounds begin to add up? You can't eat six pieces of pepperoni pizza with extra cheese and 10 wings anymore. Can I get an amen? You can, but you're going to pay for it later. So now, as, as adults, we need to focus a little bit. We need to be proactive with our health or it goes out of control. Now, here's the thing I want you to see. The exact same thing can happen in our spiritual lives. Now, listen to me closely. If you're a note taker, write this down. Neglect is the biggest enemy to your spiritual life. Neglect is the biggest enemy to your spiritual life, as neglect would be to your marriage or your health or anything else. Neglect is your biggest enemy. See, as a church, our desire is to keep encouraging you to take the next step in your walk with Christ. And it's, and it's very easy for us, whether it's a marriage, 
or our health or anything else, it's very easy for us to become stagnant in our walk with God. And then what begins to happen is we become unhealthy. And so Jesus showed us how to live a healthy spiritual life that glorifies him, that our lives do not become stagnant. How many know, even as a Christian, you could be living for the Lord year after year after year, and all of a sudden your, your, your spiritual life just becomes dry. How, how many of you, like me, you just want God to speak to you? You want the Holy Spirit to grab your heart. You, you want to know that, that God is alive. And sometimes we go through those seasons where we're like, man, I am just dry as the Sahara Desert. What is going on? God, I need you to speak to my heart and life. And what begins to happen is we begin to neglect the very things that God desires to do in our hearts. And we walk away from those things like just praying and, and, and reading God's word and, and allowing our hearts to be tenderized and softened to him. And then all of a sudden, our waywardness begins to creep in. And we begin to do those things that God does not desire us to do. And we begin to fall away from the very thing that God desires us to do. And that's to know him and for him to know us in an intimate way. So we have to guard our heart against this. So what Jesus does for us in the word of God, Jesus gives us the plan or the keys of how we, we can protect ourselves from becoming stagnant in our Christian walk. Here, the greatest danger for you is that is your life becomes stagnant and your life becomes familiar with the things of God. Because what happens, how many know when, when you come to the same church for the same amount of years, and some of you have been hearing me preach for 15 years, right? Yeah, I know Pastor Bard, I know he's going to do this, I know he's going to do this, and we know all the things that Pastor Bard, right? You know all those things, right? You become familiar with it. Some of you that are new, you're like, oh, that's really cool. But after about three years, like, oh, I know what Pastor Bard is going to do. I know he does this, wake up, guys, or you hear, you know, all this. So you, you can mimic, you, some of you can come up here and preach just like me, and everybody will laugh, because you've been here, you know, right? But what, what, what happens? It's like singing the same worship song. What begins to happen is we become familiar with it, right? And then the words stop speaking to us because all we end up doing is just singing it with our lips, but God's not grabbing our hearts. We, we can come to the same church and then we're looking for this new thing, this new emotional high to grab our hearts and God's saying, listen, I've been speaking your heart all along. You just haven't been listening. I've been speaking to you through my words. I've been speaking to you through the word of God, but you haven't been listening because you're, you're too familiar. You've become stagnant. You've, you've neglected the very thing of allowing your heart to be tender before me so that you can hear my voice. And here's what Jesus lays out for us in Matthew 22. This has been the, the crux of, our, of, our, of our, the verse for our series of messages here. And, and listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 22, 36 through 34 these religious people are asking Jesus what's the most important commandments. And I want you to notice what Jesus says here. They say, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your, what? Heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first, this is the, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. Now, the background of Jesus' words here come on the heels of these religious teachers arguing about which of God's laws are more important than the other. They're all like, you know, they're all these smart guys all standing around going, which is the most important? I have all 16 or 13 laws. Which is the most important? Jesus, what do you think? Because we have these long discussions about this every day about which is most important. It was all head knowledge, but God didn't have their hearts. They didn't really care about pleasing God. All they wanted to do is to look smart and how much they knew about God. 
And so these religious teachers would get into these long debates about things that really didn't matter. And one of these religious teachers asked Jesus what he thought. And so Jesus boils all these 613 laws down to two. And I want you to notice what Jesus saw as most important. These two that Jesus mentioned all revolve around relationships. Isn't that interesting? It's not about the knowledge as much about knowing God and how smart we are and how many, how many times we go to church or how many Bible verses we can memorize. All those things are great and dandy. But what's, what's interesting here is these two commandments revolve all around relationships, our relationship with God, to love God. He didn't say how many verses you could memorize. He didn't say how much of the commandments you have memorized. He said, no, you love God with all your heart. With all your soul. And the third one was what? Okay, that was the third one. Okay, so that means when you, with your mind, you understand, you read the word, you understand doctrine. All those things are important. We should know them. But the first one is God's got to have your heart. And we get that mixed up. Because we think we're more religious by how much we know. By how much things we can spout off. By how much knowledge we have. And God says, no, that's not it. To the way to, my, to me is through your heart. Because if I know if I have your heart, I'll be able to direct your life. And I'll be able to humble you. And I'll be able to mold you. And I'll be able to make you in the servant that I desire you to be. I want you to notice the next thing. It was about our relationship with who? With one another. Who, who's your neighbor? Is our neighbors the ones strictly at church? Are our neighbors just Christians? Or is our neighbor anyone that we come in contact with? See, that's the responsibility of anyone. It's your next door neighbor who may not be a Christian. It's anyone. It's not, not just the family of God, but it's anyone. And so these are all about relationships, not just duty and being religious. If we love God, if we love others, we won't go wrong. And so the question we need to ask ourselves is this. Constantly, we need to ask ourselves this is, how am I growing in my love for Christ? How am I growing in my love for others? Because if my love for Christ grows cold, guess what will follow? My love for one another. My love for others will grow cold. It will follow right on the heels of that. So Jesus teaches that discipleship is about two things. It's about loving God and loving others. And discipleship is basically just fellowship. And so we have three connecting points to make this very easy at our church that people will come become true disciples, not just learned, knowledged disciples, but disciples that love God and love others. That, that, that's what we want to focus on. And so we do this by connecting people to God, by connecting people with each other, and then connecting people to ministry through serving. So how does that work? So how does it look in our church? Because we've got to be on the same page here. If we're going to move in unity, if we're going to be one on this topic, then, then how does this work? Well, Sunday morning is a major connecting point for people to God. It's a major connecting point. For me, as a non-Christian, the first time I really heard the gospel preached was at a church service. That's where I really, the first time I really felt the presence of God, where I felt a little uncomfortable, like, man, these people really love Jesus around here. They got their hand, what are they raising their hands for? I mean, they're singing, they're worshiping, they're clapping their hands. These people are actually excited about being in church. 
what is up with that? What's going on here? And so for me, the first experience I had with that connecting point with God is I was looking around, looking at other people going, man, they got their hands raised, they're singing. They actually want to be here. Wow, that's a new concept I never saw before. People actually want to be in church. And so here's how it works. Sunday morning is a major connecting point for this reason. 85% of people that visit a church will do so on Sunday morning. 85%. For many, this is the first time they'll experience worship, hearing the word of God, being with other Christians. So connecting people to God is one way on how we can love God. God said, if you want to love me, then show other people how to connect with me. Look beyond yourself and show other people how they can connect with me. How many know when you invite someone to church, you have a heightened sense of an awareness of what's going on in the service all of a sudden? All of a sudden, you're, you're praying, God, I'm just praying Pastor Bard doesn't mess up. Lord, just let him, do, let him preach his best sermon he's ever preached in all 15 years of this church because I just invited someone and I'm just praying that he's not going to mess up. Or, or I, I hope they feel welcomed. Lord, Lord, please let people welcome them. I, I, I hope they like it. I hope they want to come back. See, why do you feel that way? Because you're not thinking about yourself. Your minds are off yourself and your mind is on that person that you invited. And every week, we have a new person that comes to our church. Every single week, we have somebody new that comes to our church. And so what we want to do is we want to connect them to God. So our focus on Sunday morning is going to be on primarily on that new person. Sunday morning is not geared necessarily for church people, but church people that, that can grow. We can come together and love God and hear God's word. That's all great. We can worship together. That, that's all wonderful. But, but really, we want to focus also on lost people that they can hear the word of God, that they can know God, that they can know how to love God, and we want our service to reflect that. So this is what I want in the back of your minds. Sunday morning isn't about me. It's about connecting lost people to God. And I want this to be in your back of your minds for the sake of reaching new people. I'm willing to lay aside some of my preferences so that we can reach those lost people. That's vital. That's vital. And so you may not, it may not be your cup of tea and all the things that we do, but you know what? Listen, it's not necessarily about reaching more church people. How many know that our church exists to reach lost people? Amen. We want to reach lost people. We want more people to come into the kingdom of God so they can know of his saving grace and his saving love. And if 85% of the people come for the first time visit on Sunday morning, we want to make sure that that reflects that in the way we do our service. And that's one way that we can truly love God. The, the second connecting point that we want to see as you grow in discipleship is connecting people with other people. And this is how we love each other. This is how we get to know one another. So how do we do this? Well, we feel the best way to do this is by connecting people through small groups. And we talked about this last week. Whether it's a Wednesday night discussion group or if, it, or if it's an Acts home group or if it's a men's Bible study or a women's Bible study, this is how as the church grows larger, we get smaller at the same time. This is where we get to know one another. This is where we can know each other's needs. This is where we can have deeper Bible discussions and, and have questions that are answered. This is the way we grow in our discipleship. We believe that that happens on, uh, through small groups. And so we want to connect you and others to get involved in the small group in their discipleship process. But the third connecting point, and this is what I want to dive into today, is not only do we want to love God, and, and that's connecting the lost 
to the Lord. Not only do we want you to love one another, that's by connecting with others in small groups, but we also, the third point, this is very important for the health of our church and for your health, is connect people to ministry through serving. And this is what I want to dive into today because this is so important. Serving is a way in which we humble ourselves before God and lay down our rights in order that someone else can be encouraged. Now, servanthood is a very difficult topic in our age today, specifically in America, because in America, we live in a self-serve society, right? Everything is, is, is your way, the way we want it. To, the, we want it now. We don't want to wait. And everything's about catering to us and, and our needs. And so that kind of mentality of laying my rights down and serving one another is very foreign in America because we live in a very catered to me, society, everything revolves around us and our needs and how, uh, you know, to make our lives better. And so this, this is very foreign. This was foreign even in Jesus' day. And so this is important because if we don't get this down, our spiritual lives are going to be out of kilter. And so we have to get this down. So this is how we live it out. The, the greatest example we see in servanthood is found in, in, in Jesus himself. And so we have to understand the very character of God. The very character of God is all about giving. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his son Jesus Christ. The, the word of God tells us that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a what? Ransom. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus took on the role of a servant, even becoming obedient to death for you and I. And so what we have to realize, if Christ is our greatest example of what a servant is to be, then I have to realize in my life, as a follower of Jesus Christ, if I'm going to walk in discipleship, if I'm going to grow in my walk with Jesus Christ, I have to come to the point where I believe there is nothing that is beneath me. Jesus, who was God and Lord himself, humbled himself and said there was nothing beneath him that he would ever do for us hanging on a tree for you and I for our sins. Jesus was the ultimate servant. In fact, Hebrews 12, 2 says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured what? The cross, the humility of the cross, hung naked on the cross for you and I, despising the shame that was attached to the cross, and what does it say? Because he followed through with that as, as, as a servant, as the ultimate servant and example before us, it says now he is seated at the right hand of honor of the throne of God because he became obedient to the Lord. And so Jesus did everything for our benefit. And so Jesus, when you understand this grace that I gave to you, that you didn't deserve it, earn it, or merit it, in response to what I've done for you. Now, I want you to be a servant. The greatest among you will be those who serve. Listen, listen, listen. There it is. You caught it. You, 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 you old timers know what I, that means. Listen up, okay? Listen, listen. There's not a whole lot of complaining going on when I'm serving. Good, that was a good spot for an amen. I'll, I'll let you slide on that one. That was a good spot for an amen. Listen, there isn't. Because for this reason, when I have the heart of Christ, 
when his grace has enveloped my life and I'm serving the body of Christ, there's not a whole lot of complaining going on because I want Christ to be glorified in my life. And so we've got to be careful about the self-serving attitude when it seeps into the church. We've got to say, God, I'm here to serve. I've laid down my rights. I've laid my rights down at the foot of the cross. You laid your rights down. Now you ask me to lay my rights down. And now I'm here to serve you as your servant. And I think one of the greatest examples that Jesus left for us is when he washed the feet of the disciples before the Passover meal. And so Jesus with his disciples before this meal does something incredible for his disciples. And I want you to understand something here. As Jesus washes the disciples' feet, this was usually reserved for a non-Jewish slave. The servant would wash the dusty, muddy feet of the guest who would come because they had sandals or just walked in bare feet and the, the roads weren't paved, they were muddy. And uh, when you'd walk into a guest, house, the, the, a guest house, the proper protocol would be that you would actually wash their feet. And it was a role of a servant. They'd take on a servant's towel. They would bend down. They would wash your feet. It was very humbling to do that. Well, here they are. They're at this Passover meal, and they're getting ready to eat. And there was no servant around, obviously, and nobody washed their feet. So disciples are all kicked back, and usually the wash of the feet happened right when the guests walk in. So they're ready to eat, and no one has washed anyone's feet. Now, I don't know if the disciples are looking around going... Okay, somebody better do this guy. I ain't doing it. I ain't washing Peter's nasty feet. You know, I ain't doing it. Are you going to do it? And I think Jesus looked at this as an opportunity to say, I'm going to grab their hearts right here. I'm going to show them what's most important in my kingdom. Now, do you think Jesus should have been the one washing their feet? No. He was the Lord. But here he goes, and he says, he's going to take on the role of a servant. He put the servant's towel around him. And so what he does is he shows them the way to the heart of God by washing their feet. And so what Jesus did as showing us an example is that he went beyond what was required. He didn't have to, yet in order to understand the heart of God, servanthood is required. Let me, let me read you. If you've got your Bibles, you can, you can turn there. It's in John chapter 13, and I'm going to read verses 12 through 17, because after he washed his feet, he, he explains to them what he does for them. And so this is what Jesus says. He says, when he had washed their feet and put his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you knuckle brains understand what I just did for you? Do you guys have any clue what I just did for you? He says, listen, you call me teacher and Lord and you are right. I am your teacher. I'm your Lord. I'm over you. You're learning from me. I shouldn't have been the one washing your feet. If then, listen, 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 listen. Verse 14. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you have also, you ought, ought to wash one another's feet. Listen, if I didn't have to do it, and I'm your Lord, and I'm your teacher, right? You all know that. You're following me. You're my disciples. I shouldn't have been washing your feet, but I did it. I humbled myself. He says, for I've given you an example that you should do just as I've done for you today. He says, listen, truly, truly, meaning this is truth. Listen to me. Verily, verily, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. For if you knew these things, blessed, blessed 
are you if you do them? So, so I want you to understand something here. Jesus is pointing out there's a difference between being self-righteous, a, a self-righteous type giving, or a serving and giving out of response to God's grace. So here, here, here's, here's what Jesus wanted his disciples to understand. He goes, I want you to serve one another, not because you have to do it, not because you're obligated to do it, not because it's out of a sense of duty. I want you to serve one another out of a sense of love, out of a sense of, 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 of reaction to the grace that was given to you. I want you to serve one another because you love one another. I want you to serve because that's the heart of God. I want you to just because you're going to be blessed if you do these things. So Jesus sets the example for them by serving them, by bowing before them, by taking on the very role of what a non-Jewish servant was supposed to do. Here, the Lord and King, Jesus Christ, who is God, bowed down, bent down before them, and washed their nasty feet. That's what he did. And so if you do these things, you will, you will be blessed. So what I want to show you real quickly here is the difference between self-righteous serving and, and grace serving out of God's grace. Self-righteous serving, because this is a good checklist. If you're taking notes, write these down, because it's a good checklist to make sure that you're not getting off base. Because how many know we get into a pity party when somebody doesn't recognize our service? Right? So, so let, let me, you know... Let me, you know, let me just show you here. Okay, you ready? It may sting a little bit because it stings me every time I read it. Okay, so let's, let's read it. Self-righteous serving or giving will react this way. How does it benefit me? What do I get out of this? Self-righteous serving, do not look for, for they, what they look for is praise and they look for what did I accomplish? So do I look for praise? Do I look for what I accomplished? Do I stand back and say, look what I've done? That's self-righteous serving. Self-righteous serving says, do I look for the credit? And if someone else outshines me, am I jealous? Ouch. Ouch. So let's be very careful. Do I, ask, do I say to myself, how does it benefit me? Do I look for praise at what I've accomplished? Do I look for the credit if someone else outshines me? Am I jealous because of that? But here's the difference that Jesus wanted his disciples to understand, what he wants us to understand today. Here's serving out of grace. Grace serving or giving says this. I don't care who gets the credit. I don't care. I just, I just did this for Jesus, so somebody else gets the credit. That's fine. They care more about the advancement of others. Woo! Right? Grace serving cares more about advancing others than themselves. Boy, this just flies right in the face of America today, doesn't it? I mean, this is, this is tough stuff. Grace serving, they don't need the thanks for their service. Now, is it important for us to encourage one another? Yes, we should be encouraged. You, you encourage your Sunday school teacher, the teachers that teach your kids. We should be encouraging them, writing them thank you notes and encourage them. That's fine. But I'm saying if I'm doing it because all I'm looking for is thanks for the service, then my heart is wrong. Can I get an amen? That's where we got to guard our hearts from. Grace serving says this. They give and serve out of what Christ has done for them. I do this simply because, Christ, you've done so much for me. And my little menial task for serving you is nothing in comparison to what you've done for me. But I'm going to do this because it's out of my gratitude and out of my thankful heart that you saved my soul 
And I got to keep coming back to this reality that I absolutely deserve nothing. We deserve the minute, listen, the minute you get to that point where you feel an entitlement to something, Satan has just entered your heart. The minute you feel like, I deserve this because I'm entitled to this. And let me share you the story again because this is how God made this a reality to me when I was at my church in South Carolina. All the pastors had their own parking spots. And we all had our names on our parking spots. And we had the best parking spots. And for some reason, I always felt bad about that. But if I came to church a little late, I really did like that. But, you know, that was, here's my parking spot. Well, one time, I, I, somehow a teenager was angry with me, and, and I pulled into my parking spot, and my sign was not there. I'm like, where is my sign? My parking spot is not there. Someone is parking in my spot. What happens, I'm looking around, and my sign was thrown in the woods behind my parking spot. It was pro- I don't know if it was a teenager. I think it was probably. Either they're playing a joke. And for some reason, I'm going around in the woods looking for my... And I was going to actually go back and nail my parking spot into the ground to say, this is my spot. And as I'm doing it, the Lord just convicted my heart and said, Barton, give up your spot. Give it up. No, this is my spot. I just, I come here every day. I sweat over these teenagers. I give them my life. I at least deserve my own parking spot. So I went to the dumpster and I threw it out. And the Lord taught me right there, right then, you become the last. You don't deserve nothing. Even if you're a pastor or you give, that doesn't matter. You become a servant and you get. So I did. And then it was funny because all the other pastors followed suit. <laughs> now I got rid of their spots too. Listen, listen. The moment we get that self-entitlement into our heart, Satan's getting in there and he's going to grip us and it can ruin a church if that happens. So we want to protect ourselves. And the way we protect ourselves against that is through servanthood. So the major difference between self-righteous giving or serving is about me. Grace giving is about Jesus and giving him the glory. The greatest title any follower can wear is the title of servant. It's the greatest title anyone in, this, in, in the family of God could ever wear. So, so, so how does this look? Well, out of God's grace given freely to us, we joyfully now give of our time, talent, and treasure to God. I offer my time to serve God. I offer my gifts, the, the natural gifts and the spiritual gifts that God has given me. Now I offer them to the family of God to build up the family of God and make it better for God's glory. Amen? So whatever natural gifts, whatever spiritual gifts God has given you, you don't use them for yourself to glorify yourself. Use them to better the body of Christ. I offer my finances to the Lord to serve, to, to recognize that God, you're the Lord of my finances and I give them to you that you would use them for your purposes and your glory. So listen, you might be here and you might even be a member. You may have been a member for many years and you may say, well, what would be my next step? And if you're not serving, that would be your next step. Find a place to serve and and allow God to use your gifts and talents in this church. Maybe you've been here and you haven't taken that next step of membership. I even hate to use the word membership. I like to call it ownership. That you're going to say, you know what? I need to be an owner in what God is doing in Living Word. And what we see as you become an owner and a member of our church, membership equals serving. That we want you to be a member, just not to say, I'm a member of Living Word. Isn't that wonderful? 
But to say, the reason why I'm here is because I want God to use my gifts and talents to serve. So membership is all about serving. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe some of you are here and you haven't been financially given to God. Maybe that's your next step in serving the Lord. In order to be healthy, all three of these things need to happen. We need to love God. We need to love one another. We need to be serving. If, if one of those three things are missing in our lives, it's going to create unhealth in your individual lives. Listen, here's how it works. And this is where I want to be very careful with this message because here's how it can go askew real fast. We can be serving, right, in the church and we can be serving, 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 but then we never come Sunday morning to church. And how many know coming Sunday morning, you're sitting under the word of God. You're worshiping with other people. This is very important. And so many times we can be serving, 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 and we get burned out because we're not sitting and listening and allowing God to speak to our heart. Can I get an amen? All right. Some of you may be coming on Sunday morning. You come Sunday morning. I like Sunday morning. I like the song. I like the preacher. I like how But you're not involved in a small group, and you're not getting to know anybody, so you feel alone. And God says, wait a minute. The reason why you feel alone is because you can't have these relations with people if, if you're just coming on Sunday morning because Sunday morning is a, a larger group setting, and you're not going to have these personal relationships with one another. So you've got to get involved in a, a small group. So all three of these things need to be in balance. If one is out of balance, if one is not occurring, unhealth is, uh, is going to be a part of your spiritual life. All three of these things need to be part of your dynamics as a follower of Jesus Christ. So I want to challenge you today. What is the next step that you need to take? Is it, is it membership? Ownership? Is it serving? Is it giving? Is it, is it man, pastor, my... My church attendance is real sporadic. I, I need to get more faithful and coming and sitting under the word of God and, and hearing the heartbeat of God for the church and for my life and allowing this to be a place where I can invite my friends. Is it, man, I need to get involved in, in a small group. I'm not giving to the Lord financially. I, well, what is your next step? These are all things that are important in your discipleship. But I want to show you here a video of a, a, a testimony of someone who's been serving our children for the past 16 years in our church. And, and I want you to hear her heartbeat about serving and how important serving is to the Lord. And so go ahead and look up at the screens at this time. something that I believe I just should do. Uh, God calls us to serve. God calls us to be uh, part of his body. And I think serving in the local body is one way of doing it. If I'm not serving, then there's an area that's not going to be filled by somebody. I have certain gifts and talents that God's given me. And if I just sit in a pew and never use those, number one, I'm not doing something God has told me to do. He's told me to use my gifts and talents for him. All of us have to find the areas that we love that we can make an impact in and we need to put ourselves in those positions and serve. Serving has helped me grow because it's helped me to look outside of myself. When you're serving, it's harder to keep looking at yourself and thinking about me, me, me because you're reaching out, you're extending yourself to others. I've gotten to know others in the body. They work on teams with me, we spend time together, we plan together and I get to know them and I get to know their lives and it makes me reach out to them and pray for them and in turn have them pray for me 
as I'm serving. I think of, of VBS especially when I talk with the kids and I am telling them how much God loves them and in turn it's coming back to me and reminding me of how much God loves me. You will find yourself feeling more a part of the body when you reach out and minister. Um, if you just sit in your seat, you sometimes can feel like an island and sometimes you can feel lonely. But when you're reaching out and you're ministering, you're going to meet other people, you're going to meet other believers in a more intimate way that's going to make you create relationships and friendships. And as you volunteer, you're going to find that you are going to want to see things um, go well in the church. You're going to want to see ministries grow and thrive because you're a part of it. Deep down inside, I think each one of us knows the areas that we should be involved in. Um, sometimes we don't want to, sometimes we feel that we're going to be inconvenienced. You're going to be stretched, you're going to um, find that you have areas you need to grow in, but it's a good thing because as believers and as Christians we need to grow in our faith. And as you're ministering you're going to find areas that God is going to stretch you in. Oh, this is going to take all day. All right, I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> Amy had so many outtakes, we had to throw one in there. That was really fun. Listen, um, I want to pray for you this morning. And uh, I, I, what I want to do is, it, it, as we just close in, in, in song today, and I really, as we just finish singing this worship song to the Lord, I really want you to really hear the words of what you're singing. And, and what I want to do today is, it, it's not just, I could say, okay, leave here and then sign up for a ministry. And, and you could do that, that's fine. But, but I, and I want you to do that. But what I want us to do is maybe here today, even if you're serving, maybe you're serving here today and you say, Pastor, you know, that was a great message, but I'm already, I'm already serving. Um, maybe today you need to rededicate your service to the Lord. Maybe, maybe this is a good time for you to say, Lord, I want to make sure, listen, listen, listen. I want to make sure that my service to you is pure, that I'm not doing it out of self-service righteousness, that, that I'm doing it because I want to please you. And, and how many of you know that sometimes we all need that little parking spot reality check in our lives? Amen. Okay, so, so maybe this is your parking lot reality check for all of us. Maybe you're, 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 you've started to get a little cynical Maybe you've started to get a little negative. Been there, done that, right? We've all been there, right? And, and so maybe this is a good time to step back and get a new perspective of the cross and what Jesus Christ really did for us. And, and maybe allow God to break our hearts today and just say, Jesus, let me, let me lay those rights down that I think are so important. And let me serve you out of a pure heart for what you've done. Then, then, when we serve out of that way, our service is going to be with the correct attitude because it's not going to be about us. It's going to be about Jesus. And let me tell you this. When that happens, that unifies the church. That unifies us real quick because it breaks our attitudes. It breaks our selfishness. Now, it's not about me and getting my own way. It's about Jesus and being exalted. That's good stuff right there. And Christ is unified. There's unification within the body. Christ is exalted. And all of a sudden... We see great things that happen in our midst because we're more concerned about serving one another and not about me. Let's have that heart. So let's dedicate our hearts. Lord, right now we dedicate our hearts as we sing this song. Lord, we're going to lay our rights down. 
Lord, do a check on our hearts. If my heart's become cynical or cold or hard, if, I've, if I'm serving out a sense of duty, break that. May I serve out a sense of grace. So God, let us rededicate our service to you. For those that are serving, may they rededicate your heart. For those that need to take that next step, may they do it not because I'm telling them to or they feel guilty, but that they do it, like Amy said, because God's called us to do that. And when we do that, like Jesus said, we will be blessed. I want to be blessed, God. I want to be blessed by you. I want your hand to be upon me. I want your presence to be upon me. So Lord, may we serve with those intentions today. So thank you for all you did for us, Jesus. You are you are an unbelievable God. Your patience and your grace towards us is just insurmountable that we can't even comprehend and we thank you for that. So we dedicate our hearts and our lives to you as a church today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's stand and dedicate our hearts to the Lord who sing this to him. God bless you.